0: That was awesome. So I guess I'm leading worship next week since you're preaching. Is that right? Just kidding. Just kidding. We want people to actually show up. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It would be uh, something to behold. Uh, I'm not sure what that would be. So uh, Terry and I were talking and she's like, well, do you want to preach first? You want me to preach first? I was like, I want to go first because I don't want to follow you. Great job, worship team. Okay, the last Sunday of August, Pastor Chris began his series, Pointed Parables. And each week in this series, Pastor Chris has unpacked a different parable that Jesus taught. So today I would like to continue our focus on the parables by using one of the parables that Chris was not going to preach on during this series. And if you were to ask the students in our student ministry to define parable, they would loudly and enthusiastically say an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's like one of my great successes in ministry. They know the meaning of a parable. Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus use these parables or stories to help his followers understand deeper theological truths. And the great thing about parables is that they are, is that they are timeless. They're as applicable today as they were in the day that Jesus shared them. So today, I would like to ask you to imagine that you are sitting on a countryside, listening to Jesus, and I want you to ask God to show you how this this parable applies to your life today. And as we begin, let us pray. Lord, I thank you for all those who are here today. And I pray that as we unpack this parable, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to each of us through this parable. Lord, I thank you that you taught in such a way that we could all understand. Taking these deep theological truths and make them as simple as a story that we might tell around the dinner table. Meet with us, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. As many of you may well know, uh, I traveled to Israel a few years ago, and when I went to Israel, I went, uh, not really giving any thought to the thing that's been a while since Jesus was there, and I went expecting for things to be just as, it, as they were when Jesus, to look just as they did when Jesus was there. And what I discovered is that there are very few places that I was able to truly visualize or see What things looked like the days that Jesus was there. However, there were a few places that I was able to imagine myself being there with Jesus. Such as the Garden of Gethsemane. The Via Dolorosa or the street that Jesus walked on on his way to his crucifixion. And the pathway to Caiaphas' house. You could actually see the stone rocks that they would have walked on. That's where Peter denied Jesus three times. And then there was this this setting... Right here on this slide, you see. This picture on the slide is the site where scholars and theologians think Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles or a smartphone, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 24 through 27. And as we read these verses, I want you to picture yourself there on the hillside listening to Jesus share these words. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 It's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want you to stop and think about the house that you live in. If I were to ask you to describe your house to me, you would probably talk about the design, the square footage, the size of the lot, the number of the bedrooms— And most importantly, the number of bathrooms. Can I get an amen? Okay. Or what if you were talking to a friend and it comes up that we're building the OMAC. And they ask you to describe it. You might talk about the new big kitchen that we're going to have. Or the gym. Or the area that's dedicated to the youth ministry. Or the garage doors that are going to open to allow us to have a farmer's market to distribute the food that that we grow in the harvest garden or possibly the most important part of the AlMAC, Scott gets his own office. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. There are so many different ways that we might describe our houses or the almac. but we probably wouldn't tell others about the foundation. Perhaps you don't know anything about your foundation other than it's concrete. Yet it is the foundation of your house and of the almac that makes all the difference. Proverbs 24.3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. This is true not only of our house, it is also true of our lives. Today's parable is a conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has spent time speaking to the crowds who were following him on the Beatitudes, on being salt and light, that he, Jesus, is here to fulfill the law, on murder, adultery, divorce, On oaths, or a better way of putting this, the importance of keeping our word, letting our yes be yes and our no be no. He's preached on revenge, on loving our enemies, on giving to those in need, on prayer. This is where he gives us the Lord's Prayer that we pray every week at communion. He speaks on fasting, on storing up treasures in heaven versus treasure here on earth, on worry, on judging others. On the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate, which is a metaphor for the choices that we will make in life. And then he finishes up with false prophets. And then Jesus begins this parable. Jesus compares and contrasts two builders, one wise and one foolish. One who builds on the strong foundation of rock and the other who builds on the weak foundation of sand. And he emphasizes how critical it is to have a strong foundation. Now, some of you may be saying, Scott, I don't have a clue about building a house. How am I supposed to apply this parable and understand it in order to apply it to my life? Well, going into the construction of the Almac, I knew very little about building. My experience in building was the Legos I had as a kid. Anybody else? Okay. I mean, I could build some real masterpieces. But this parable is not just for architects, carpenters, or or contractors. You don't have to have a a construction background to understand this parable. It's for you and me. Building a house is simply an analogy for building our life. The point is this. You are building a life and the foundation you choose is the most important feature of your life. In the verses that follow, Jesus provides two options for building your life. The first option is to build your life on a strong foundation. Jesus says the only way to build a strong foundation is by obeying his words. In light of all these things Jesus has just covered, Jesus says everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. By using the word everyone, Jesus reminds us that we, this, these words are intended for all people of all time, which means us. That means that these words and these parables, we can apply to our life today. He begins by saying you must hear His words. And in order to hear, we must expose ourselves to God's truth. You can do this by reading your Bible, by attending worship, by going to a nine class or attending one of our small groups like the Bethmore Bible Study, or by meeting with other Christians like we do in our home teams. And while this may sound daunting and tedious... This is what we do in every other aspect of our life. When Kaylee started to drive, she didn't just go hop in a car and start driving. No, we had driver's ed books, and she and I did a lot of talking while I was driving about the laws and how to handle certain situations. Then she actually started her student driving once she got her permit, and she spent 55 hours behind the wheel with her mom and I in the car. Yes, I'm that dad who made her do the entire 55 hours that you're required to do. And she still holds that against me. Or take these guys that are out here working on the Almac. The they just didn't go out one day and say, you know what? I think I'm going to go build a building. They had to learn the skills under someone else. They had to do an apprenticeship. After they had learned, then they weren't able to apply what they had learned and start doing it themselves. My wife, Rexanne is a great teacher. But she didn't just graduate from high school and walk into a classroom and start teaching. She had to go to college to learn how to be a teacher. And then she had to do her student teacher under an experienced teacher in a classroom environment. Then she was able to take that class on her own. In each of these cases, it's essential not just to hear the truth, but listen to the truth. Anyone who is married knows there's a difference between hearing and listening. The key to listening is to interact with the one who is speaking. When I do premarital counseling, I teach the couple to do what's called reflective listening. In reflective listening, you respond by saying, I hear you saying, and then repeat what they've said. This does two things. The first thing it does, it lets the other person know that you're actually listening to them. You're not just a bump standing there going, okay, that's us guys. The second thing it does is it helps us clear up misunderstandings. Some people ask clarifying questions such as, can you explain that part again? Or when you say this, do you mean fill in the blank? We should ask clarifying questions when we're interacting with Christ's word. Jesus urges us to not only hear his words, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say you must act upon his words. If you're going to build a solid foundation, you must actually do what Jesus wants you to do. Anyone who has a teenager knows there's a difference between hearing and listening. And that comes down to the action part. How many times have you told your teenagers to clean their rooms and they verbally say, okay, and then you walk in later that day or week and the room looks the same? You know they heard you because they responded okay. However, they didn't listen because there was no action. The same can be said with our relationship with God. Hearing his words is not enough. You are building your life on his words only when you obey them. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Let me explain. We've all been told that exercise is good for us. And I actually believe this to be true. I even joined 10 Gym and I went religiously. I'm talking daily. Then life happened. And I got out of the habit. It doesn't change the fact that I know that exercise is good for me, that I've heard the words, Right? But I haven't put it into action lately. If that analogy doesn't work for you, maybe you're a superstar who works out every day. How about this? Do you floss on a daily basis? Why not? I mean, you know you're supposed to floss, right? I'm going to do this tomorrow morning for my six-month checkup and cleaning. And I know one of the things that the hygienist will tell me is, Scott, have you been flossing? To which I'll have have a, a decision to make. I can either be honest or I can lie through my teeth. But there's no real reason to lie through my teeth because she can see my teeth and my gums, right? And I'll say, probably not as much as I should. And maybe you even have uh, mint-flavored or cinnamon-flavored floss. And you make that commitment that you're going to floss every day. And maybe after that, a whole week after you've gone to the dentist, you do it. But then you get out of the habit and you stop. You've heard it and you've started to put it into action, but you haven't finished. In the same way, We can hear all of Jesus' words and know them like the back of our hand. But if we don't do what he says, we aren't building on the right foundation. So we can build our life on the strong foundation, or we can destroy our life by building on the wrong foundation. The foolish builder also heard Jesus' words, but he did not act upon them. The decision not to act on what Jesus tells us for whatever reason— it's a decision to do a great deal. It's a decision to live by someone else's words. Why did the foolish man build his house on the sand? Let's face it. It's appealing to build on the sand. It's found in a good location. I mean, who does not want to live on the beach, right? It's easy. It's adequate. Who wants to dig down deep if you don't have to? It takes more work to build on this rock. It takes more time and energy, and it costs more. And it's so much easier and faster just to build on the sand. In life, it's always easier to take shortcuts in building a home. It's cheaper to use inferior materials. And while no one may notice for a while, but someone along the line, somewhere, you will pay for it. There's a saying, you get what you pay for. The same is true when we're talking about the foundation of our lives. It's easier to go with the crowd. It takes less time and energy if we simply maintain superficial faith. And frankly, most of the time, who can really tell a difference? It's easier just to show up to church for a couple of hours than to develop deep spiritual roots. But there's a problem with this mentality. The Bible teaches that storms are lurking on the horizon. In each of these examples, the storms came, and it's when the storms came that we see why it's so important to build on the right foundation. In verse uh, chapter 7, verse 25, Jesus says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Jesus doesn't pull any punches. Just look at the words, and in 725, Jesus doesn't say, If the rain falls or if the floods come or if the wind blows, he said, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. Jesus tells us straight up that the storms will come. We will not be spared. And if you've walked with Christ for any length of time, you've observed people that hear and do the words that Jesus and they have the same, very same crisis in their lives as people who do not have Jesus in their lives. Obedience to Christ does not mean you will not get rained on. Anyone who tells you that the Christian life is all about sunny days and and rainbows and happiness, they've lied to you. Nevertheless, the storms are what test us. Living in the sunshine of life doesn't tell us much about ourselves. Anybody can build a house that will stand firm when the sun is shining and there's no wind. It's the storms that reveal the strength of our foundation. When you build on the rock, you must expect storms because only storms can show you the wisdom of what you built. Sometimes the storm roars in as, and you're pounded by sickness or the fear of death. Perhaps your family will learn that you have cancer or another life-threatening disease. Maybe a loved one that will suddenly pass away. Perhaps you've developed a nagging injury that refuses to heal. Maybe you're the beginning to feel your age and it discourages you to no end. Times like these reveal the foundation of our life. Sometimes the storm is a crushing personal loss. You may lose your job that not only provides your income but also provides you your self-esteem and your personal security. Your carefully built stock portfolio suddenly destroyed can be like a tornado roaring through the comfortable life you have built. When you realize that you haven't built up the security you counted on, everything in your life can come tumbling down and you see exposed as faulty foundations of your life. In 1992, Hurricane Andrew destroyed thousands of homes in South Florida. Yet in an area where wreckage looked like a war zone, or like Haiti during this past Hurricane Matthew, one house remained standing, still firmly anchored to its foundation. When a reporter asked the homeowner why his house had not been blown away, he replied, I built this house myself. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the the code called for a two-by-six-foot trusses, I used two-by-six-foot trusses. I was told a house built according to the code could withstand a hurricane. And it did. When personal storms come, many lives will be destroyed and left in shambles. Most people don't find the narrow gate that Jesus talked about in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Most people don't build on the foundation of Christ's word. But if you construct your life according to Christ's building code, you will not be disappointed. While obedience to Jesus' words is not a protection from the trouble... It is a protection in the troubles. Yes, you may lose some windows and a house of your life may be shaken, but it will not collapse and be swept away. I want to encourage you. All the time that you invest in laying your biblical foundation will pay off. If you haven't already seen the results and benefits, I can assure you that one day you will. Building on the rock is the best flood insurance you can invest in. Storms will come and go. You are either in a trial, coming out of a trial, or entering into a trial. Nevertheless, if you built your life on the foundation of Christ, you have nothing to fear. A good storm will demonstrate your stability of your foundation. Jesus not only tells us what happens when the storm of life comes to a house built on the rock, he also tells us what happens to the house built on the sand. In verse 27, we read, The rain fell, the floods came down, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. We've seen in the past couple of weeks the destruction a hurricane can do. We've seen the images of Haiti where homes don't have the proper foundation. Jesus concludes this parable and the entire Sermon on the Mount with an illustration of warning rather than of an encouragement. I don't know about you, but I tend to thrive on encouragement. I like to encourage others, and I like others to encourage me. Yet, as much as I appreciate encouragement, there is something about a strong word of warning that staffs me to attention. Do you know that many Christians... Do you know what many do, Christians do when it starts raining? They try to change their foundation. When the sky gets dark, the winds pick up, and the rain begins to pour, they pick up their telephone... And call the most spiritual people they know and say, help me build a new foundation. My house is falling apart. But you can't change your foundation when you're in the midst of the storm. You have to lay your foundation before the storms come. So that when the rains, the floods, and the winds come, your house is secure. This is also true in the natural realm. It's hard to lay a foundation when it's raining. Workers have to stop pouring concrete when it begins to rain hard. The foundation needs to be poured on a sunny day. The reality is, whether you have built your foundation or the rock or the sand, we are all going to face storms. The good news is, we don't have to do it alone. We're all in this together. A lot of jokes have been made about how much time I spend out at the construction site with the crew. The uh, construction manager, Clayton, is a really great guy, and he and I talk almost every day. You see, I'm like a little kid. I want to understand why everything fits together the way it does. In fact, Clayton and I spent 30 minutes together this week talking about each part of this sermon in preparation for, for the message. And the following part, I have to give credit to Clayton for it because he gave me a lot of uh, this information. Let me just stop here and say it, is, it was evident very early on that God is and has been a part of this entire project. This is Clayton's first job with Brewer. He was hired about a week before our project went out for bid. Clayton is a believer. Not only is Clayton a believer, he is truly a Christ follower. This is my first major building project, but at my last church we had two floods where we had to have some construction companies in and and repair some things. I've seen the bad side of the construction world. I've seen the corrupt side. We are blessed to have Clayton as our construction manager, because Clayton doesn't just see this as another project. Clayton sees it as a ministry tool, and he feels a part of us. The reason I mention this is that we all have our part, and for our remaining time together, I'd like to use the parts of our new Almac as an illustration of how the body of Christ can be there for each other in times of storms. We've been talking about the foundation, and I remember when they started pouring the foundation for the Almac. I think we got a picture of that. There you go. I was amazed at all that goes into the foundation. And Clayton pointed out this week that the foundation and all the things that you can't see support the entire building. He likened the foundation to the Holy Spirit. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is our support during the storms of life. Once we had the foundation built, they started putting up the steel. They begin with the columns. Their job is to hold up the raptors. Now, sometimes we, in life, we play as a role of the columns. When our friends or our family members, I'll call them raptors, are in the midst of the storm, we are there to hold them up. The raptors have an important job as well. The raptors are the main beams. They hold up the purlins. See, I'm learning all my, all my construction talk. Rafters come in all different sizes and are all unique depending on their unique uses. That sounds like us. Each of us were uniquely created and for a purpose to be used by God, not only in this church, but in the world. I mentioned that the rafters hold up the purlins. The purlins have an important role as well. The purlins hold up the roof sheets, and they keep the rafters from going to side to side. You see, the rafters and the purlins, they need each other. They make each other stronger. Alone, the rafters and the purlins cannot do their job. The body of Christ is the same way. The staff cannot do our jobs without the laity, and the laity need the support of the staff. So we have the foundation, the columns, the rafters, and the purlins, and then we also have the girts. Now, girts have me scratching my head. I went out there so many times, and the wind's blowing, and these things are just these are girts uh, that go sideways. And literally, the wind blows, they're like, Whoa. you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they're like waving in the wind. So I asked Clayton, I said, hey, why are they even there? Because the Oklahoma wind, they're, they're blowing and rattling and doing nothing. Clayton explained to me that the girts hold up all the outside sheets or siding of wall. And they are, they are wobbly when they're first installed. However, once the sheets are attached, they give strength to the building. To me, this is like us as Christians. As we first interest in Christ, it can be a little wobbly. Think of young toddlers starting to walk. You know, they're like, ooh. You all, you've seen it, right? They're trying to walk to daddy. Come to daddy. You know, We fall every once in a while, right? But then, the longer we walk with Christ and have biblical truths to our lives, the stronger we become. We are all going to face storms in life. And friends, I believe we as followers of Christ are about to enter time unlike any that we've seen. When I was a teenager, Sundays and Wednesdays were sacred. Teachers didn't give homework. Families went to church. We as a nation had God as a priority. That's change, and the storm is brewing. It's like a hurricane. We've seen it off in the distance. We've seen it gaining strength, and it's starting to move in our direction. The question is, how is your foundation? Is it built upon the rock, or is it built upon the sand? As a hurricane of change approaches... We must prepare now so when it hits, we are able to stand. Today, there are many responses that can be made. Perhaps you've never trusted in Christ and made him the Lord of your life. And I want to give you that opportunity today. I talked earlier about how we all mess up, me especially. I'm not perfect. I know you. That really shocks you, right? But because we mess up, something had to be done. And that's, that's why we're here God sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have eternal life, a relationship with him. And so maybe you're starting out. Maybe you haven't even poured the first part of the concrete. Maybe this is the first time you've hear, heard this message. My hope is that today you will trust in Christ. Perhaps you know Christ, but you know that your foundation has been built on the sand. And you need to start investing and in, in firming up your foundation. You know, a lot of times when, when houses uh, shift, they have to come in and put those... Uh, Help me out, construction people. Peers. Peers, Thank you. That's why you're... See, we work together. Sermon illustration. Yeah, they have to come in and put peers to strengthen the foundation. Perhaps today you need to come and put a peer in your life. Maybe a P-E-E-R. Someone else in the church to help you strengthen your faith with one another. Maybe you need to do this one-on-one that we've been talking about. being, Being there for each other. The accountability partner. Maybe you need to find someone to pour into your life and pour into each other's life. Or maybe you have a strong foundation. And maybe... Maybe you're going through a storm and you just need to come to the altar today and pray. Whatever it is that God is calling you to today, the, the altar is open for you. My challenge to you is to make your foundation strong on the rock. The rock of Christ, not on the sand. Let us pray. Amazing God, I thank you so much for the gift of life. And Lord, I thank you for Storms. I thank you for those times in our lives that make us totally dependent on you. Lord, I give thanks for those times that we totally have to let go of everything in our life and just give it to you. I pray that each person who hears this message today, if they haven't already, will begin to build a foundation on you, the rock. I pray that if there's anyone here who's never trusted you, never entered into a relationship with you, that they would start that today. Lord, for those who've had their foundation built on sand, and any time a storm comes, they feel the house wobbling, the house of their life wobbling. Lord, that you would just bring alongside them someone who will help them strengthen their foundation in you. And for those who have a strong foundation, Lord, I pray that they will see this as a ministry opportunity to walk along, some, walk alongside someone else. This is our prayer in your name. Amen.